St. Michael's was in the news this week. I'm sure they didn't go looking for that. But uh, I would like to honor Father Larry for making the right choice. He, uh, he embraced what Scripture has and stuck with it. It's never easy to confront. And yet, the, the bottom line is, are we going to allow our lives to be guided by Scripture? Or are we going to try to guide Scripture by our lives? And our choice is to let Scripture dictate what our lives do. To control our impulses, desires, whatever road we go. To say God's Word is what's appropriate and what we will live by. I, uh, in my devotional life, I was following some similar tracks, and I, I want to share some of those verses with you. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had done the 23rd Psalm and mentioned this is a great passage for memory, to recognize God as our shepherd and as a core belief of our lives, that his direction is, is appropriate and his oversight of us is, is wondrous to embrace. Um, one of the young moms went home and taught her two-year-old over half that passage. Took on the memorization and said, you know, this is good, let's do it. I way underestimated what kids can do. And I would suggest that if a two-year-old can, probably the rest of us can as well. Just saying. What I'd like to do is emphasize the benefit of Scripture not only to give us insight into truth, but also to help moderate our own behavior. Listen to this out of Deuteronomy. Moses is writing this and saying, when you get a king, he needs to do this. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he's to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law. Interesting phrase there. It doesn't say, have the Levites write him up a copy and hand it to him. But the declaration is, have him write it out. I don't know anyone that's just sat down and wrote it all out. You would definitely know it a whole lot better if you did. Might be a really wondrous thing for even one of our midst to take that on. But it says, other king, it says, he's to write it out for himself. It's to be with him, and he's to read it all the days of his life. Again, there's a, a, a declaration saying a daily devotional life would be a whole lot beneficial for this person, this king. Why? That he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of, his, of this law. And decrees, and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites, and turn from the law to the right or to the left. So he's saying, as he invests himself into this scripture, the benefit will be that he lives his life accordingly. It's good advice for the rest of us who aren't kings. What I'd like to do now is go to the book of Proverbs. And... Uh, in three separate chapters, there's lengthy discussion of sexual fidelity and purity. 
And I look at something that significant in that book or that lengthy, and I'm going, why did he choose that theme? Except that most of us have wrestled with similar issues. It's important that we come to the right conclusions. That we're willing to say, Scripture needs to guide my life, not my life guide the Scripture. And so when we walk through these stories, and they are illustrative, it's not a, a blanket statement, this is what guys are, this is what women are. It's, it's this picture that says, this is how we ought to live. Proverbs 5 starts with this thing again. Pay attention to the wisdom here. Words of insight that what? That you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. Invest yourself into this truth so that you can live the lifestyle that's appropriate with a believer. It says, For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil, but at the end, she's bitter as gold, sharp as a double-edged sword. In other words, some of what you hear may sound great, but in the end, it's destructive and, and, and terrible for you. Some of what you hear through our culture sounds interesting. Some voices that are speaking into your life sound very sweet as honey, is a description. But in the end, he says it's gall, it's, it's bitter, it's awful. He says, listen to the right voice. He says, her feet go down to death, her steps lead to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she doesn't know it. A life that's just drifting, aimless, but no real understanding where it's taking them. It says, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to the one who's cruel, lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. He says, don't get caught up in that. At the end of your life, you'll groan when your flesh and body are spent. You'll say, how I hated discipline. How my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. Refusing to embrace the discipline that the Lord brings, he says, there's a, a treacherous end to such things. Here's an illustration. The idea is, and what it's going to portray is saying, sex is made for marriage, for man and woman in their privacy. That's its boundaries. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water into the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May your breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. So he's saying, in marriage, this is the desire. Loving, graceful, satisfying, intoxicating. 
Lord, may that be the mark on our marriages. May that be the mark on our lives. We ask that you will give us great satisfaction with our spouses. Just as this scripture declares is healthy. Why be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. It says, it may be secret to others, but it's not to God. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them, and the cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. Let's jump to chapter 6. Starting with the 20th verse. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Listen to your mama and your daddy. (laughs) Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they'll speak to you. This is that thing. Take it into you completely. Let it be a part of your life in every facet. Can a, here's an illustration. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So he's, is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. He just, this illustration, he just puts it out there. He gives us another illustration. People don't despise a thief if he steals to satisfy hunger when he's starving. Yet if he's caught, he must pay back sevenfold. When you look at things that you desire somebody else has, well, why don't you steal them? You say that'd be, that'd be wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. We understand that. He says, when you step into adultery, it's even worse because... You're not hungry. You're not starving. You're just filling your own wants. Lost my place. It says, a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself, blows in disgrace or his lot. His shame will never be wiped away. So he's saying, this has worse effect than thievery even. And then he goes on and says, Jealousy arouses a husband's fury. He'll show no mercy until he takes revenge. He will not accept any compensation. He will refuse a bribe, however great it is. He says there's, there's a glue that's to hold lives together. And when that's wrenched apart, that wound is not quick to heal. Let's go to chapter 7. My son, keep my words, store up my commands within you. Again, this admonition to take the word of God and make it a part of life. Keep my commands and you'll live. Guard my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you're my sister, and to insight, you are my relative. Put it in you, it says. This will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. Again, an illustration coming forth. It says, I saw among the simple, 
said, I saw us among the foolish folks. I noticed young men, a youth who had no sense. So there's the definition. He was going down the street near her corner, walking in the direction of her house at twilight as day was fading and the night, dark of night set in. We're told, here's, here's a stupid person. He chooses a foolish path at the wrong time of day and then wonders why the results are so horrific. This is written before a day of pornography, written before the internet, written before a lot of things where we can get ourselves in trouble. But the applications are the same. If you're walking into darkness at the wrong time of day, that's a stupid choice. You're among the simple, so to speak. The challenge is to walk a different path. And allow the scripture to so influence our lives that it keeps us from heading down that trail. With, what, with persuasive words, she led him astray and seduced him with her smooth talk. Again, the voices came. He responded. But it says, here's the fruit of it. At once he followed like an ox going to slaughter, a deer stepping to a noose until an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. They're going, you walk that path, but at the end is death. Now listen, my sons, pay attention to what I say. Don't let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she's brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. So again, this is laid out before us in the scripture. I want to suggest to you, it's passages like this, that as you're reading, you're going, I don't want to be an idiot. I need to correct some of what I'm doing. I need to stay away from this. The scripture has a preventative, positive effect as we invest ourselves into it. It has an ability to teach us discipline. You know, as is called out here, it's not a saying, you'll never have these impulses, you'll never have these desires. It says there's a discipline that can override these things. And in the Lord, that's available to us. And so we ask for him to, to speak to our hearts as we immerse ourselves in these things. We ask him to transform us into different beings. That we may walk in his holiness and be like him. The challenge I see it as churches is to embrace what heaven embraces. It's to embrace what the scripture says is right and to walk those paths. We want to reject what heaven rejects. We want to embrace what heaven embraces. If it's good for God, it's good for us. I want to read one other passage, and this is out of Corinthians. Uh, Paul was dealing with some similar issues 
not just hypothetically, but actively in a church of Corinth. Now, if you're familiar with the, the setting, Corinth was known worldwide for its temple prostitution. In, one, in their setting, they had married sex and religion in such a way that they hired hundreds of temple prostitutes to service people. And out of that, they would call that acts of worship. Paul's going, it may be religious, but this isn't God. Okay? So he's, he's looking at a, a, a perversion that really isn't even a part of our culture yet. Yeah, we think that we've got something new going on. <laughs> There's been twistedness at, at, at every age. And so when he's in this town of Corinth and he's dealing with this, this is what he has to say. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. He's gone through a, a, a teaching regarding the body of Christ and that each one of us is part of it. Out of our communion passage that we read whenever we participate in communion, we read out of 1 Corinthians. And we, and we embrace this idea that we have taken Christ as a part of our lives, that we might live with him forever. And so Paul's going, you can't just link prostitution and Christ. One's holy, one's unholy. Doesn't work. We've united ourselves to holiness in Christ. And so we commit ourselves to a holy lifestyle. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. He says, you make your choice. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? So he's contrasting this temple that practices prostitution. He's saying, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is the temple that counts. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. In our group... Truth is, most of us have wandered down profane paths at one time or another. The responsibility that we have is not to embrace that and say, well, God made me this way, so this is what I do. The challenge is to say, what does God say? And when we've gone in an opposite direction, is to make confession, to seek his forgiveness and restoration in our lives. And to say, your ways are right. Your way is truth. I embrace that over my own desires and even my own history. And acknowledge that what you say is appropriate. The beauty of it is that he brings us into relationship with him. That he washes away our sins. That he places his spirit within us knowing full well who we are.
that he cleanses us from our sins and sets us free as we turn toward him. Praise to the Lord. The scripture is God's word. It holds truth, and we embrace that. We embrace what the scripture has. We embrace what heaven declares. We celebrate that Scripture can be preventative care as we invest in it to curb desire and whatever else is connected with us. Lord, let us live in your holiness and walk in your paths. Stand with me, will you? And ask the worship team to come back. In this group today, Lord, I ask for your forgiveness for one that has wandered from you and saying, I have been walking a foolish path. And ask for restoration and wisdom and discipline to become a part of that life. For those that are saying, that was me, but it is no more, we celebrate with them, the power of a transformed life. We say, Lord, let us be salt and light in this world. Let us live by your standard, speaking your truth, and living it out in all things. I pray for each marriage here that it would have the sense of your stamp upon it, that each partner would be committed wholly to that spouse. Make us strong in you, we pray. 